so today we're going to dig back into a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Summer at the Movies. How have you guys been enjoying this series? It's been awesome, right? How many of you got one of these a couple of weeks ago? Maybe someone gave you one, right? A little invite, right? Did you get one of these? Right? And some of you thought that it was an invitation to come to a building called a church. But today, I want you to, 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 to approach this today with this context. That what we have is an invitation to a movie, but it's our movie. It's our life story. And as we dig into the word today, I guarantee you that God has something he specifically is speaking to you. To you and to me. And so today we're going to pick up where we left off. We've been having some fun. We've been uh, looking at certain movie clips, right? And what we've been doing is digging deep into scriptural truths and using some known movies, right? Some of us, they're known. Some of us, they're unknown because... You know, they're a little, you know, whatever. But in any event, we've been looking at these movies and using them as practical visual examples of what the scripture is trying to teach us. And so in today's movie, we're going to be looking at a clip from a movie called The Croods. Some of you are like, what? The Croods? You parents got to get with your cartoon game up. You got to get your cartoon game up. You got to get back to some of these things. Let the kid out, right? The Croods is a movie about a family of cavemen and cavewomen. And one character that I found interesting is this young lady named Eep, right? Eep is a teenage cave girl who lives in prehistoric times who longs for adventure in the big open world that's right outside the cave where she lives with her mom, Uga, her, grand, her grandmother, Gran, her brother, Thunk, her baby sister, Sandy, and her dad, Grug. And since the other families around them haven't survived the current era that they're in, Grug, the father, lives in terror of anything that he cannot control. And therefore, he does everything within his power to keep his family in the cold, dark cave that they call home. Right? And he tells them, he tells them things like, curiosity is a bad thing. He says, anything that is new is bad. Right? He says, never not be afraid. He even tells his family, fear keeps us alive. And as a result, his son Thunk promises, I will never do anything new or different. Now, Grug thinks that Eep, his daughter, should, he, that she should reign in her adventure side because it can only lead to danger. And get it, as a father, he means well, but he is living life constrained. She's feeling trapped. She longs to explore what lies beyond their hole in the mountain wall. And not only when it's time to go hunt for food, because that's the only time they would go out. And so one day, Eep does the unthinkable. She sneaks out of the cave. And when she sneaks out of the cave, she's lured by a sliver of light, which turns out being fire. And she meets a young man named Guy, who, 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 uh, um, who, who she comes to find out starts fires. And this guy, he's, con he's a confident explorer. And he has an adorable little creature named Belt as his only companion. And Guy rightly senses that 
things are changing, that big changes are coming. Because God realizes that something's happening in the ground. What he didn't understand that we come to find out as you watch the movie is that the platelets in the earth were beginning to shift. And there was a massive earthquake that was about to come. And so God thinks Eep and her family have to run to safety with him. But the question is where? And thus begins a journey into a whole new world that even anxious Grug concedes may be the only key to survival. But it means coming out of the cave into an open world for the crudes. And as they venture out after the, outside of their cave, after their cave is destroyed, and they, they, what, what happens is they come to learn that staying safe is no longer safe. They come to realize that outside the cave is a new world filled with new possibilities. For a person who's not a movie person, my family will tell you, I fall asleep when it comes to movies. I, I literally fall asleep. They put me to sleep. But I've been enjoying this time. It's been pushing me out of my cave, right? So while we live in times of great technological advancement, would you agree that we're in those times, right? Right? We're in an ever-changing world that's filled with possibilities, right, and new opportunities. There are some of us that maybe we're still living in prehistoric times. And it's not because... We're cavemen and cave women. It's because we prefer a cave. We prefer to hide. Right? Today I want to talk to you from the heart of God. I bring you no opinion. I simply bring you the scriptures. And I propose to you the truth that they contain. And I want to invite you today to a movie. I want to invite you to your life story. I want to invite you to see what God sees outside of the cave, the caves that we hide in. Today, I want to talk to you on the topic, no more caves. I'm going to tell somebody, no more caves. Tell somebody else, no more caves. No, no more caves for you online. No more caves. No more caves. You know, caves... If you watch this movie, what you see is that the cave gave the illusion of safety. But it was really the place of limitation. Caves are where we hide. They're where we settle. Caves are where vision grows dim because we conform to living in the dark. We do what everybody else does. We believe what everybody else says. And we just follow the norms. But you see, caves are also where possibilities die. Because we cease dreaming, we think small, and we resist the invitation to change. Friends, change is a divine opportunity. To dream is a divine uh, affair with God. To step out of what is normal and acceptable and what everybody else is doing is the place where heaven touches earth and miracles happen. And so, God has not called you and I to live in caves. 
You know, the, the biblical context for caves, if you look at it all the way back to the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, caves were reserved for one, for one purpose. They were burial places. It's where you laid the dead. Somebody, you need to start really thinking about the implications of that for our lives. The places we hide, right? The things that we do it, that, that cause us to, to constrict our belief, to, to, to shrivel from within, to, to retract from life. What we're actually doing is we're dying slowly. We're burying ourselves. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 tells us something about life outside the cave. It says, now to him who is what? Say that with me. He's what? Come on, say that with me. Preach with me. Now to him who is what? Able. Able. Now to him who is able. This is talking about God. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than all we ask or what? Imagine. According to his power, now where's his power working? According to his power that is at work, where? Within us, right? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's, let's, let's chew on this for a moment. If we just take the truth contained in Ephesians 3.20 and 21... What we see is that the fact that we're living means that we should not be hiding. If you are breathing right now, somebody take a breath. Yeah, prove, prove it to someone and prove it to yourself. I'm still living. If you still have an ounce of breath of life, there's no reason to hide. Let me tell you why there's no reason to hide. There's no reason to hide because God's immeasurable power, God's immeasurable ability operates. It functions. It, it, it manifests. It produces more life. It energizes. It invigorates. It opens doors of opportunity unto the person who dares to think to imagine, to dream, and to ask bigger than what life tells them. So, so let me just, let, 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 let's just, let's just brew on this for a little bit. I want you to go within and look at the film reels, the highlights of your life. Let that play in your mind for a moment. And let me ask you a question. What is your thought life? What does your imagination reveal about how you're cooperating with God? Do you even dare to think according to the size of your God? Do you dare to believe Beyond the size of your circumstances. I mean, what could life actually look like for you and I if we actually believed beyond the present? 
if we actually dare to see the sun behind the clouds, if we dared to step out, friends, let me tell you what would happen. You would begin to experience the life that Christ paid for. He paid too high a price for you and I to live so low. Reminds me of a, 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 a story I heard once about, anybody ever heard of Walt Disney? Walt Disney? Right? Walt Disney opened um, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida in the summer of 1974. Right? Now, Disneyland in Anaheim, California had been operating for almost 20 years up until that point. And Disney was, 40, was a 47-year-old man. He was a successful film producer, right? He was a director, an animator, an entrepreneur who began to work on an idea of something that he envisioned to be likened to a magic kingdom, a magical experience, something that would push beyond the limits of what people could conceive in their own minds. They can experience something different. And so he had this dream of this magical park where families could go with their children and people could see outside of what was uh, going on all around them. But then World War II stopped the building of the park, but not the dreams in Walt's mind. And so all that six-year delay during the war accomplished was to expand the dream from an eight-acre park to a 165-acre park, which to this day stands. Now, after Walt Disney passed away, Miss Disney was sitting beside a reporter named Walter Cronkite at the opening of Walt Disney World in Florida. And Cronkite wanted to say just the right thing to Miss Disney. And so he leaned over to her and he said, wouldn't it be great if Walt were here to see this today? And Miss Disney wisely replied, if Walt had not seen this first, you would not be seeing it today. What's my point with that analogy? My point with that analogy is simply this, friends. Our imagination, our thinking power, it's so much more powerful than we think. And according to the scripture, when we align our thoughts, our imagination, our asking, according to the will of God and the size of our God, we begin to see immeasurable ability impact our limited ability. I'm not talking about pumping you up, friend. I'm not here giving you some psycho babble. I am telling you that we serve a supernatural God that intends for our natural lives to be super. I'm telling you that God can do immeasurably more if you and I would begin to align our thinking, our dreaming, our asking, our believing. If we would dare to step out of our emotions and our feelings and our complaints and our worries. My good friend Todd puts it this way. He's a pastor, by the way. Here's a word from God. Suck it up, cupcake. Dream big. Stop settling. 
What we fail to realize is that God equates the expansion of our imagination and our asking. He equates it to power. But according to Ephesians 3, verse 20, that power is within us. In other words, God's immeasurable ability is resident and active. But it takes you and I to begin to imagine, to ask, to dream, to act so that we can see his immeasurable ability activated in our lives. I'm telling you, lean in today because I offer you no opinion. This is evident and revealed to us through the scriptures. There was a man by the name of Elijah who was a powerful prophet. He was used of God, mightily used of God. He was influential before kings and nations. Pagans, they, they trembled just at the thought of Elijah showing up because when Elijah showed up, God showed up. When Elijah prayed, God answered. When Elijah declared the word of God, it came to pass. And so Elijah shows up one day on a mountain, on a mountaintop, a place called Mount Carmel. But what's interesting is that he has this powerful moment between him and God before all people. You see, Elijah saw the dilemma that was taking place in Israel. The king, a man named Ahab, who was a son of God, a child of God, of the people of Israel, had gone wayward. Ahab started following after a woman, right? Started following after this woman, but it wasn't that he was following a woman. The problem was that this woman believed in pagan gods, specifically a pagan god called Baal, right? It was pagan worship. It was, it was vile. It was evil. It was wicked. It was offensive to anything having to do with God. And so Elijah sees this and he says, we're going to prove today before all Israel and all the nations who's the one and true God. And the, the prophets of Baal, 400 of them, they go, let's do this. Let's get it. Right? They square up. And Elijah says, here's what we're going to do. Here's the rules for this fight. Right? You're going to set up a sacrifice and I'm going to set up a sacrifice. You'll set up your altar, I'll set up my altar, and then here's what we're going to do. You guys can pray first, and, and then I'll pray. Whosoever God is the one and true God will answer by himself raining down fire on the altar and consuming the sacrifice. So the prophets of Baal say, oh, we'll go first. And they begin to holler and scream and shout, right? And nothing's happening. And Elijah's like, hey, maybe you should shout a little louder. Maybe, maybe he's asleep, right? And so they're crying out and all this. And, 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 and he's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you, there's just something more you got to do. These guys start doing some weird stuff, cutting themselves with stones, all kinds, nothing happens. Elijah goes, my turn. And Elijah prays. And the scripture says, right, that when he prays, that fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And everybody goes, whoa, 
He is the one and true living God. And then Elijah turns to these prophets and he goes, we got to get rid of these guys. So he kills all 400 of them, right? He eradicates them from the people. Because how many of you know, you know, you got to cut some things out that are just unhealthy, right? So he kills them, right? Gets rid of them. But then something strange happens. Because after this mighty move of God where God was responsive to the heart and to the belief and to the imagination of a man, just like you and I, friends, we're no different. We're no different. The scripture tells us that Elijah was a man just like you and I. And he had feelings, he had emotions, he had challenges as well. Right? So you're just like him. It's possible for you and I. Jesus said, you'll do greater works than the ones that I have done. Right? And so this is possible. Right? God hears you. God wants to respond to your belief, to, to, your, to your ability to dream beyond the, the current and the present. And so Elijah has this monumental moment with God, this great victory, a mighty move of God happens. And you would think that Elijah would be emboldened in his faith and his confidence against all of God's enemies. But you remember that woman that I told you that the king was following after who led the nation of Israel into Baal worship? Her name was Jezebel. And Jezebel sends a threat to Elijah. And Elijah who had just stood against 400 prophets, runs from this one woman in fear. And as he runs, he's running towards a cave. He's running into hiding. The question is, how is it that a man, a child of God, a believer, someone who dares to think and imagine beyond the current, how is it that someone like Elijah and like you and me, after having so great a victory on a mountaintop where he belonged, how could someone like that get so low that he reduced himself to life in a cave? And today I want to just give you three simple encouragements and warnings at the same time. And I ask you to go back to the scriptures on your own time. I ask you to not just simply hear these things and go, hmm, good point. No, I ask you, I invite you to join me in meditating upon the truth that these scriptures and these points reveal to us, to take them and internalize them and to allow God to begin to push us beyond the caves that we tend to hide in. The first point I want to leave you with is that you and I must guard what you imagine. We must guard what we imagine because it's a preview of life's coming attractions. It is a preview of what is to come. The fact is that Elijah's life was threatened. Let's get that out the way. Let's not be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. His life was threatened. You're going to see that in a second. He was, he was threatened. That was a reality. But the truth was that God chose him. The truth was that God was with him. The truth was that God always protected him. Friends, let me tell you the truth about your life and mine. The truth is that God loves you so much that he's still faithful to you even when you and I are unfaithful. 
the truth is that God has not changed his mind about the purposes and plans that he has for you. The truth is that when you're weak, God is still strong and his strength is in fresh supply to you. The truth is that when you can't, you can because you can do all things through Christ who is your strength. The truth is that no matter your history or your family experience or the dysfunction you may have walked through or the fears you have, God is able, and he is immeasurably able to do more if you and I would simply participate and get out of the cave. So, the Bible says in 1 Kings 19, verses 2 and 3, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. She sends a, me a messenger who delivers a verbal message. And here's what the message was. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, meaning the prophets, by tomorrow about this time. There's the threat. Now watch how Elijah responds. And when he what? He hears a message, but he sees something. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Let's dig into this. Jezebel sends a message, but Elijah not only heard it, he saw it. He saw it. He saw it. Meaning, meaning, that it became visible in his imagination. It took root in his heart. It took root in his heart. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself in a predicament where you heard some bad news? Right? Or you, 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 you're confronted with something that somehow in some way poses a threat to you. It could be your job. It could be your finances. It could be your work situation. It could be your relationships. It could be your future. And you hear this, and all of a sudden, you don't just hear it. You see the very worst. And you begin to tell yourself, the sky is falling. It's all over. We're not going to make it. We're dead. We're done for. Come on now. Somebody be honest with me because we've all been there. We tell ourselves not what we hear, what we imagine. And what we imagine, friends, is what we play a part in fulfilling. We work at it. Without even wanting to. But we have no choice. Whether you want it or you don't. Why? Because you're already imagining it. You're already imagining it. We should guard our imaginations, friend. You, you and I should guard our imagination because it is the place where life is conceived. Let me show you that from scripture. James 1 verses 14 and 15 says this. But each person is tempted. It's talking about experiencing a challenge, experiencing something that lures us away, right? Each person is tempted when they are dragged by their own evil desires and enticed. 
This is not just talking about desire, friends. This is talking about a strong, something that becomes a longing, whether it's good or bad. Believe me, friends, that happens to all of us. But watch this. Then, after desire has what? Conceived. We're talking about a birthing process right now. It gives birth to what? To sin. And when it is full grown, it gives birth to what? Death. Consider what the scripture says here. What we are seeing here is that the mind, the function of our imagination is the womb where our lives are birthed. This is a womb. Let me ask you a question. Whether you are older or younger, whatever age or stage or phase you are in life, I want you to really consider this. What are you impregnating your imagination with? What are you intaking that is taking this imagination in the wrong direction? That is giving birth to, to desires, to beliefs, to thoughts that are inconsistent with the immeasurable ability and will of God. Let me put it to you this way. If your thoughts are not aligned with the truth and the promises in God's word, friend, you are fornicating. Because you're in league with the wrong person. The one that wants to, the one that wants to give you a new life gives you life giving thoughts the second point I want to leave you with here is so but before I go there I just want to say this to you it's it, see learning a new way of life learning a new way of life following the things of God has nothing to do with going to a place called church it has very little to do with that, friends. I can't tell you how many times people, oh, I come here to hear the word of God. Okay, so here's the thing. We are called to hear, but we're also called to do. We're not supposed to simply be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers of the word. So, so listen closely to what I'm getting at here because this is so important. This is so very important for you and I. The truth is this, friends. That learning the ways of God also requires replacing always. This isn't about willpower. This is about learning truth and using that truth to unlearn lies. Learning isn't just intaking information. It's becoming impregnated and conceiving that truth in your mind, in your heart, and through your actions. The second point I want to leave you with here is that before you give up, think about what you are about to give away. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. After running for an entire day, Elijah ends up, he ends up in grave danger. As we'll see, the scripture tells us that he ran into the wilderness. He ran to a dry, uninhabited land, a place where things die, where very little grows. 
First Kings 19 verse 4 says that when he's there, uh, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a broom tree. That's a, a bush. Right? And he prayed. Listen to what he prayed. This guy who would pray and God would respond and fire would rain down and God would move mightily. He prays to that same God that he might die. And he says, it is enough now. Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. What are we seeing here? What, we see, what we're seeing here is that when you choose to live in hiding, mind you, he's running towards a cave. When you're running to a place of hiding, when you're running to a place of disbelief, when you're running away from the truth in God's word and you're constricting, you're caving from within, it will always lead you to a wilderness experience. Meaning, it will lead you to a place where your hopes and your dreams and your life begins to shrivel up. And while you may be walking around in life, you're walking like the living dead. You're actually already in a state of dying or you're dead. And when we get to that point, friends, we, we give up. We give up under the pretense that we're saving ourselves from hardship and danger. And it's actually the opposite. See, friend, if your aim is to hide when life's problems arise, if your aim is to run to a cave... When your faith is challenged, it never leads you to safety. In fact, it doesn't make things better or ease your troubles. Right? We, we run away thinking, oh, I'm going to be better. At least I'm not going to have to do that. And in reality, what it does is it, it, it doesn't hold the promise of relief from the, the, from the threat of danger. It, in fact... It takes us away from our God-given assignment. It leads us to a place where as we're giving up, we're also giving away what's possible. We're giving away what's possible. Can I say this to you? Because it does get hard. The lure of giving up is a mirage. It's a mirage. Because it will never give you what you think you'll get. Elijah was anointed just like you and I. His life held significance, had purpose. He was special just like you are. The Bible says that you are God's special possession. That you have been created as a, a masterpiece. That your life is destined for good works. You are God's special possession. And in a moment of weakness, Elijah wasn't only giving up on life. He was giving away the life God had for him. Friends, giving up cannot be an option. Because if it is, growth is impossible. It is impossible. Let me read you something from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18 for context here. It says, therefore, we do not what? Lose heart. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Why? Even though our outward man is perishing, 
our yet the inward man is being what? Renewed day by day. Every single day, there is a process of renewal that is lying in wait for you to activate. But oftentimes what we look at is, oh, I'm not working. Things are going bad. I'm not getting opportunities. I don't know why this isn't changing. And this and that. And we're focusing on the outward which perishes. And we are forsaking the inward workings of God in our hearts, in our minds, in our dreams, in our imaginations. Friend, stop complaining. Stop crying. Let me tell you why. Because if that's where you stay, you're dying. You're dying. You are dying. Somebody take a breath. Yeah, you still got life. So you're not done. The last point I want to leave you with here is that the cave you fear exiting is the entry point to your next steps. Elijah. Elijah runs to a cave, but here's the thing. This cave was on a mountaintop. Friends. You're not created for valleys. I prove it to you. King David put it this way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You, you may go through some valleys, but you're supposed to go through. You're not supposed to stay there. You're not supposed to stay there. Why? You know what's on the side of valleys? You know what makes a valley? Mountains. Mountains around it. Elijah finds himself back at a mountaintop. And the scripture reveals that he, instead of staying out on the mountaintop, he finds a hole, a cave. He's ready to die. He's given up. He chooses to hide while he's in the very place he was created for. Friends, you were created to live life. A life that is more abundant. That's your mountaintop. Every day you have a mountaintop experience just beckoning you to step into it. But some of us, we, we, go to the, we, we wake up to a mountaintop and what we do is we go find a cave. See, the truth is that no one is exempt from the temptation to hide. Especially when you're headed in the direction of what God has called you to. I'm telling you, when you start chasing after God and you start getting a hold of what God has called you to, when you begin to dream bigger than you've ever dreamed and believe more than you've ever been told and you begin to envision new possibilities, you begin to imagine what the word of God says and you begin to see that as your own, you better bet your bottom dollar that there is pressure and there is resistance and there is a devil that is going to try and stand against you. And he's going to tell you, go hide in your cave. But you belong on a mountaintop. And Elijah forgot that. 1 Kings 19.9, I close with this. Actually, I got one more scripture. But it says, and there he went into a cave at the mountaintop. And he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And the Lord said to him, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you doing in this place of hiding? And watch what the scripture says. Verse 11 says that God said to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. In other words, why are you hiding when I created you to be like a city on a hill that can't be hidden? I created you for mountaintops, not for your caves. And, it, and the thing about it is that it wasn't until Elijah stepped out of the cave and was back at the place where he belonged, on a mountaintop, a mountaintop similar to the one where he, where he, showed, he, he participated with God and God proved himself strong, a place where he overcame 400 prophets, a place where he established the power and the authority of God, a place where God moved as he prayed. He's back at a mountaintop similar to that one. And it wasn't until he got out of the cave that Elijah was able to hear God clearly again and discover the next steps for his life. Friend, let's stand here today. You thought you were coming to hear a message. And I'm telling you that what we've witnessed today is a movie. It's an invitation by God. To look at the reels of our life and see what's really there. And God doesn't condemn you and I. He's not even mad at you and I. No, he loves you. And because he loves us, today he, he, he gives us, he's helped us see where we truly are. For some of us, we're in a cave. We're there already. For some of us, we're running. Some of us, we're in that in-between place where hope and dreams are dying and everything's starting to dry up and shrivel up. And for some of us, we've just woken up and we're back where we belong. Before the Lord. Realizing it's time to dream again. It's time to believe again. It's time to think beyond your limits. It's time to do what the Word of God says. It's time to believe God's story and tell yourself what His story tells you about your current situation. It's time to come back out onto the mountaintop and hear what God says. When Elijah stepped out onto that mountaintop, he received instruction from God. Instruction that paved the pathway for the entire nation of Israel to come to a point of deliverance. To establish the next prophet, the next king, to enact a mighty move of God. But friends, that could not happen. That next step could not materialize if Elijah didn't come out of the cave.
Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.